Hello, friends. I don't know if you could hear the true intro, which is Mr. Otis, my cat, purring on my lap. Every single time I'm in the closet, which is also the podcast room, he just has to be clawing at the door, moving around. He's never quite settled, and we have this fun little game that we play with each other where he'll come in, he'll sit on my lap, I'll cover him with a blanket, he'll be set for a little while, purring, all of a sudden, because he's an orange tabby. So if you've seen the rhetoric around orange tabbies, you already know. All of a sudden, he starts biting my hand. Then he starts biting my leg. He gets up. He moves around. He steps on the podcasting equipment, on my computer. Then he tries to find a new place to hide. And then, ultimately, I typically end up having to let him out. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how long it lasts today. But that is the intro that you're looking at. I like to give you guys a little description sometimes of what things are looking like in the podcast studio. I like to call it a studio. We're manifesting for the future. You know what I mean? But I skipped all the important stuff. Welcome to Seems Like Diet Culture. If you've never been here before, I'm so grateful that you're here. My name is Mallory Page. I'm a registered dietitian, and I'm also the host of this lovely podcast. This podcast is all about discussing the different trends that we see around wellness, nutrition, things that influencers share about their exercise routine and what I eat in a days and all of that stuff because there's just so much out there and it's really, really confusing nowadays to know what to listen to and who to listen to. And so my hope with this podcast is that by sharing my educated opinion along with research articles, the opinions of others, and even y'all's experiences and questions that you will be able to walk away more confident in knowing what works well for you and also which things you want to include in your life and which things you don't. Otis is currently trying to jump up behind the microphone. Super cute of him. We'll see how disruptive that is. So as I was brainstorming for these weeks right before Christmas or after Christmas and also before the new year, I was trying to think of what would resonate the most. And I know that not everyone has a ton of time. Most people are busy with family members or just taking time off and freaking resting. But I still wanted to make sure that I showed up for you guys. And so something that came to my mind that I feel like we hear about a lot over the holidays is holiday weight gain. And There is so much more to the story around holiday weight gain than you may even know. And I want to talk about this in the sense of like actual science behind it, of how logistically possible it is for you to gain weight over the holidays. But I also want to talk about this from the angle of even if it's not the holidays, even if it's another time, do you really need to worry about earning your food or eating more than usual? And if so, how much? And then I also want to tie it into tips, how I would look at going through this. And I want to talk about seasonality with food. This is one of my favorite topics to discuss. And I really feel like it's going to resonate with some of you guys. I was talking about this in my Live Unrestricted group actually this last week, and they were really, really taking to this. So I'm excited to share it and talk about this all of this with you guys. 
I do want to say on the note of Live Unrestricted, we are currently accepting applications for our January round. If you have been struggling with your relationship with food and exercise and body image and just feel like you're constantly obsessing about everything you put into your mouth, you never feel content when you look in the mirror and see what's looking back at you, you're constantly feeling like you need to go on a new diet or a new detox or a cleanse to fix your gut health or to be healthier, or in general, you just feel like you're not in a good place that you want to be in, Live Unrestricted is for you. And what's even better is that by applying, you'll actually find out 100% if I think it's a good fit. Because after your application, which is a pretty short process, we will book a free consult call so that I can get to know you more. You can ask your questions. We'll go over logistics and pricing and all of that good stuff. And that way you can have total confidence before committing. So it's a no strings attached, no risk application basically. And I know that it can be scary. I know that it can feel intense with the holidays and with the new year. So this would be such an amazing way to invest in yourself and to also ensure that you start off the new year on the right track rather than get caught up in the mindset and the stress of the holidays. <clears throat> Sorry. And post-holidays of like, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So that is always linked in the show notes. But we are doing a pre-sale pricing right now. And it is 12 weeks, so this is amazing pricing. By 12 weeks, I mean the program is 12 weeks, and on top of that, we're doing pre-sale pricing. So it's some of the best pricing you will ever see for the program. So I will, again, it's all linked, but feel free to DM me with any questions. Now that we have that announcement out of the way, I just want to dive into the topic. This is going to be a really conversational one today, but I want to start off with the first thing that may really surprise you guys about waking around the holidays. So I feel like this rhetoric comes from the whole idea that by eating certain foods and by eating certain amounts, we automatically gain weight. I also think this is reinforced by the media and even wellness influencers, nutritionists, dietitians even, doctors, that warn people about not eating too much or not eating these certain things because of holiday waking. And so we hear about all this rhetoric. Well, we hear this rhetoric all over the place, but I feel like we never actually question it. We never actually wonder, well, how likely is it that I actually am going to gain weight? And why is it that I would gain weight? Because there's no such thing as a food that inherently makes you gain weight. That's just not possible because things have to accumulate in a specific way. And also every single person's body is so, so, so extremely different. So I wanted to actually look into some studies to see, you know, how much weight can you actually gain? And there was actually this prospective study that was done on holiday weight gain. And they looked at this during the period, this was done on Americans, by the way, during the period of Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. And they talked about how it's commonly asserted that the average American, quote unquote, gains five pounds or more over the holiday season. But they recognized that there was actually very few studies and there was not a lot of data that actually supported this statement. 
So what they did is to estimate holiday-related weight variation, they actually measured the body weight in a non-clinical sample of 195 adults. Now, what I do want to say on this is this is a small study. Otis, oh my gosh, do you guys hear him? Like, this is what I'm saying. It just, it never ends with orange cats. Like, they have to just be constantly doing something to just drive you crazy. But you love them so much. Anyways, this isn't a huge study, all right? This isn't something a lot of people look at. But it is still significant to be able to use this. So they weighed the subjects four times, six to eight weeks apart, and the weight was then determined in three intervals. So it's pre-holiday, which was from late September to mid-November, holiday, which was November to January, and post-holiday, which was January to March. And a final weight was obtained in 165 participants the following September as well. So they had a follow-through of into the next year. They also did other vital signs, but they were all self-reported. So at the end of the day, what they saw, without getting into all the crazy numbers that can come about, the conclusion was the average holiday weight gain was 0.37 kilograms, which is 0.81 of a pound. Now to take this further, the subjects believed that they had gained four times more weight than the actual holiday weight change. And fewer than 10% of the subjects actually gained around what they had thought, around the five pounds. 55% were around two. And despite the, that is despite the fact that more than 85% of the study subjects made no efforts at all to control their weight during the holiday season. Why I think this is so important is because it shows us that the stress and the fear that we have around holiday weight gain is not actually likely to occur. And not only that, but we are often beating ourselves up thinking, oh my gosh, like I've gained so much weight. When in reality, that's not even the case. I mean, 85% of them did nothing. And yet they realized that their weight pretty much stayed stable. And I do want to mention that although the study is small, it was quite valid. They did actually account for different variables in the weighing, and they tried to keep things very consistent. So although a small sample size, I would love to see this as a bigger sample size, honestly, just to really understand. Regardless, it still really showcases something that can help to reassure you during this holiday season. Now, the other thing that we should mention with this is when it comes to the holiday season, there is so much obsession about it with the people around you too that I think makes us feel like we need to worry about it. And because we are so in tune to the fact that other people make us feel like we need to worry about it, the media is making us feel like we need to worry about it, I think that then we have this heightened and elevated sense of what we need to do to try to 
avoid this happening. So what I often see is that people will start to weigh themselves more or get on the scale more or be checking themselves in different ways. And because they're doing that, that is part of what contributes to this feeling that they have had more of a weight change than they actually have. Because of course you're going to be more aware and more convinced that your body is changing if you're fixating on it more than you would at any other time of the year. And scales, you guys know how I feel about scales, or I think a lot of you guys know. I am so not a fan for so many reasons, and we could do a whole podcast episode on this, but the biggest challenge with scales is that people use them and they try to get on the scale and they determine what they did as right or wrong the day before or that week or however often they do it, weigh themselves is what I mean by do it, based off of the number that they see. And that is what creates a lot of the mental distress because we know, guys, and this isn't me saying this to make you feel better. This is realistic science You cannot, it is impossible to have your weight actually change in a day, even a week, even two weeks, even a month. It's unlikely, but impossible within a day. So you getting on the scale from one day to the next, even one week to the next, and seeing a number change and then convincing yourself that you're doing things wrong and trying to change what you're doing and getting in this whole fear mindset is not only a waste of your time, it's a waste of your energy. It's not actually something that is happening, but also it's really just putting too much power in something that is likely due to total variation. Your weight can change, obviously, from what you're wearing if you're weighing yourself, It can change from the time of day. It can change if you've gone to the bathroom or if you haven't. It can change based off off hydration levels. There are so many things that can make it change. So throwing away that scale and also the same thing is true of your jeans, your clothes, using those as a marker of how your body has changed, also not accurate. Because your body can just change so much from all of the things that I mentioned before. I can tell you confidently that on my period, and not even just on my period, some other times too, but especially on my period, there'll be times where I'll put on a pair of jeans that I literally wore the day before and they will not be comfortable at all. Or sometimes they won't even zip up. That does not mean that I've had this huge body change that I need to stress. It just means that my pants don't zip up. That's all it means. So throwing those out, not stepping on them, all of that is going to help so much. And remembering this study, using that as reassurance that the changes that you may think you're having are likely in your head. And there's evidence-backed information out there to support the fact that we are not having that big of body changes. Now, with all of that being said, if you've been to this podcast, you know that I don't think that as a society we should be so afraid of weight. 
There are so many different angles that people could be listening to this podcast at. You could be recovered like myself and at your subpoint weight. You could be struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating and you're actually below where your body really wants to be. You could feel like right now you feel a little bit over your set point weight and you're not feeling your best. And so I know that as you hear this information, it's it's going to feel a little different to everybody here. But the whole idea that we have so much fear around weight gain and this diet culture rhetoric and beauty standard rhetoric that we need to have so much fear and avoidance around fluctuations is so silly and so not helpful. I feel like this goes back to just overall mindset that we have as humans around anything. Because whenever as a kid we're told not to do something, or even as an adult, if you're like me, I hate to be told what to do and like be controlled. So if someone tells me, no, you can't do that, all it makes me want to do is do it more. Like literally, that's all it makes me want to do. And so when we tell ourselves something like, you can't gain weight during the holidays, weight gain is bad, it just puts this pressure on us to feel like we have to hit this. And yet I think our inner self is rebelling. It's like we're at war with ourselves. And there may even feel like there's a war in your head, especially if you struggle with an eating disorder, or honestly, even if you're just a woman in society with so much that's being thrown at her all the time, we often go back and forth with ourselves. Like, F it, it doesn't matter. The patriarchy is what makes you feel like I have to hold these beauty standards that don't even matter. So I don't need to worry about the holidays. And if I'm going to gain weight, who cares? Like it's my body. It's about what makes me feel good. You may have that voice. And then you may also have this voice of, well, what are people going to think? Are people going to think I'm pretty? What if I have to see cousin, cousin Joe, and he comments on how my body looks different than last time. Are people going to love me as much? What about my clothes? What am I going to do? Right? It, It just spirals and spirals and spirals. And those two voices, whatever they sound like for you, they can just be feuding so strongly. And it's exhausting to deal with. And I just want to validate the fact that that is exhausting. And I'm sorry if you're feeling that right now and that as you're listening to this episode, that's coming up for you. But I feel like one of the most helpful concepts that I've tried to live by especially not only in my recovery, but in my recovered life, is the idea of seasons. When I think about times in my life, I like to think about it in seasons. And I don't mean seasons as in, you know, winter, fall, spring, and summer, although those are seasons. (laughs) I think about it as in things that I am focusing on the most at that time. Because I think this whole idea of like work-life balance isn't just really work-life balance. It really is the societal standards that we hear about in Instagram and everything around us making us feel like we need to do everything perfectly at the same time. Now, that could be my own projection of how I see things, take them, and then how that affects the pressures that I 
perceive around trying to have everything be a certain way. But I also know from my group coaching programs and from women in my life that a lot of us do feel that way. A lot of us feel like it's not work-life balance. It's do everything perfectly and be everything for everyone balance, which is impossible. And so for a while now, I've been trying to push against this idea that things have to be a perfect balance. And this has been so, so, so helpful for me. So what this looks like logistically is something like this. For me, this Christmas season, my focus for the season is enjoyment, connection, and family. These are my focuses for a few different reasons. Number one, I love the Christmas season. It's one of the times of year where I have a little bit less work, a little less intensity. I really have always loved the food, the treats, being with the people that you love, and just it feels like a magical time to me. To go along with that, I live in Austin, Texas, and all of my family is in Colorado. And also, this is the last year that my brother is going to be in college. So I know this is the last year that he has off an extended amount of time. You know, once you get into the workforce, who knows what your time off looks like. can be crazy. So I know that in going home this year, especially since Brian and I switch off different years going to each family just at Christmas... This is the first time I've been home since two years ago. And I want to really be able to revel in that. I want to be able to focus on anything and everything that helps to support my enjoyment and my family connections. And of course, my connections to friends and all that stuff, but especially family during this season. So what that looks like for me is not saying I throw every single thing out the window and say the only focus I have is on my family, like that is it, because that would be too much. But it's saying that I'm going to prioritize that over other things. So yes, I'm going to pick my non-negotiables. For me, and this doesn't have to be true for you, but for me, my non-negotiables are meditating every single day, meditation slash prayer, and it's also having some time to myself. Because I know if I start to extend myself too much and I don't have any of that retreat time, I can start to get a little wonky. <laughs> can start can start to get a little crazy. So that retreat time for me, that me time could look like anything. It could be me reading, it could be me going outside, it could be me going on a little walk, could me be be me doing a Pilates class. It could be me just literally sitting by myself. It could be doing my makeup. It doesn't really matter what it is. And that's why I try to keep it fluid. But it just matters that I have that time. Now, there are other things that I would love to be able to add into that if it makes sense. That could be some movement. But instead of having a more, you know, not that my movement schedule is ever inflexible, but you know, when you like plan a class, like during the week when I'm home, I'll go to a class, like a Pilates class, so I'll have it planned. So yeah, I can cancel it, but it's a little bit more structured. I'm not going to do that when I'm home. I'm just going to go with the flow, and that could look like anything, but I'm not stressed about a certain number of days a week that I need to work out or a certain amount of time. I don't care because I know that being home for two to three weeks that we're home 
It doesn't matter if I didn't work out one time that entire duration. If it changes my body, I don't care. I just don't. Because I know that what I do is constantly focus on what helps me feel my best. So naturally, in that moment, what's going to help me feel my best is being as ingrained in that family dynamic and in the season as I can be. When I get home, I know what's going to make me feel my best is getting back to a little bit more of a routine because I have work and I'm with, I'm in a totally different season and I'm not with my family and it's not the holiday season, it's a new year and all of those things, right? So I know that I always focus on what makes me feel my best and that will always guide me in the right direction. So if my body changes, fine. If I lose some muscle, which you won't, and again, which you probably won't even have your body change, but if it did, it's fine. So I think different people need different reasoning because you may feel terrified of weight gain right now. You may still have some work to do around body image and that fear. And, you know, we live in a very fat phobic society, so it makes it really hard. And you may have a really hard circumstance with family members that make you feel that way. And I totally understand that. And I validate that for you. And don't feel bad about it. Don't feel like those are bad emotions or that because of what I'm saying, that means that if you're not feeling that accepting of the idea of your body changing, that that's bad because it's not in any way. I'm just saying for me, that's the point that I've been able to get to with my body neutrality and with learning seasons and with being in tune to myself. But if you need to remember, my body likely will not change. And if so, it's a very small amount. Remember that you do not lose muscle that fast at all. Remember that having more sugar, more whatever it is, I don't know, that creates fears it's not going to change your body and it's also not going to ruin your health. One meal, one week, two weeks, one month, freaking years of not eating in a nourishing way is not ruining your health. Years, you know, I'm not saying not to focus on your health at all. I'm just saying like there's so many times where you see people even that maybe ate one certain way their whole life And then they changed it or they got more in tune with themselves and they still come out and they have a great healthy life. So what I mean by that is like, just don't stress so much about the small stuff. So to go back to the seasons and to try to like close this out, that's what it's going to look like for me when I go into this season. And for me, I don't care if the fluctuations happen and I accept that fluctuations are actually normal and I just want to embrace it. There are other times that things are different. Now, for me, I never personally like to focus on a season being that I want to change my body because that's not beneficial to me. And I don't think that we should think that way. I think that we should always be focusing on how we feel. And that's a different situation than focusing on like, okay, well, this is my body changing season, right? Because that's what we want to do. We want to say, okay, cool. I'll focus on family in, in Christmas time or whatever, the holiday season. And then in January, I'm going to focus on like being my fittest, healthiest, strongest self. But a lot of that is tied to body image. And then we get ourselves in a slippery slope because what if you feel amazing, but your body doesn't look like you want 
Or what if you feel amazing, but your body dysmorphia is telling you don't look like you want? Or what if you feel amazing, but the scale that you shouldn't be weighing yourself with, your genes fit a little differently, right? That's the problem with fixing on body image stuff is that we push past what actually makes us feel good in the pursuit of a certain look, and that's not helpful. But to give another example of a season that I may be talking about is like a season in business is something. So there'll be seasons where I focus a ton on business and I do the things that I need to feel mentally clear. So I will prioritize the business that season over movement and over family and over friends and even over my partner. Of course, I'm still maintaining all of those, but it's just to give an example. That doesn't mean that I drop those things at the wayside. I still do it, but that's more of my focus. Now, there was a time where I had knee injury Well, I still deal with my knee injury actually now, but where it was really, really, really bad. And there was a time where I actually did focus a lot more on strengthening and keeping my body and getting my body into a better place. That didn't mean that I was focusing on the way that it looked, but it meant that I was focusing on doing PT, a lot of stretching. I was trying to work on my inflammation through infrared sauna and different stuff that even seems sometimes a little bit more wellnessy than I would typically go towards. But dealing with the autoimmune challenges that I had in my knee issues, that was more of my focus during that time. And so my business and other things started to fall a little bit down. They were more of a maintenance than they were the main focus. Now, even in those moments, I still don't go into, okay, I'm going to control my food. I'm going to control my exercise. It's just realizing that I can be intuitively focusing on an overarching goal for that season. And this truly has changed my life, not just around body image and exercise and food and all of those things, but around everything. Because I think that we really can't actually do everything all at once. We really need to break it up. And although the person I'm about to mention is a little bit hustle culture-y and intense. Tim Grover is someone that talks about this. And he talked about how athletes like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James that he's worked with, they use a lot of these mindsets in their seasons to help them to achieve at the highest levels. So I hope that as you think about this season, you can pick your focuses And allow yourself to really enjoy. Because the truth is, you stressing about whether or not you can have that piece of pecan pie, or if you should eat the sugar cookies and the dough. Well, don't eat the dough if there's eggs. I do it, okay? But I would never give that recommendation. We all do it sometimes. But anyways, whether or not you eat the dough or the sugar cookies... Or how much you're having or questioning your hunger or whatever else it is or asking yourself, should you wear that tight dress? Like, what if I'm bloated? All they're doing is they're taking away from the fun and from the enjoyment that you can have. And there's really no purpose to it in any way. So please, please, please try your best to utilize whatever tactic it is that can help to draw you out of that mindset. And I know that it's easier said than done, especially if you're here struggling with disordered eating, struggling with an eating disorder. I work with people that are dealing with those things every single day in my programs. And I know that it's not as easy as what I'm saying for y'all. 
And I don't want to try to diminish that challenge that that is for me to just say, oh, don't worry about a piece of pecan pie. It's different. I get that 100%. But at least these tactics can hopefully give you some support. And then a program or someone that can support you or the goals that you're using can get you closer and closer to this future goal of being able to do things in the way that I'm, I'm mentioning. So with all of this being said, I feel like there are some tips that I've already given amongst these kind of overarching mindsets, but I also wanted to just give some specific tips that I feel like could be helpful. So one thing that I want you guys to keep in mind, and a tip number one, is that you don't need to earn your food. And by earning your food, I mean exercising for it, changing your meals based off what you had earlier or later on in the day, or anything along those lines. And I could give a whole very scientific explanation as to why, but I don't feel like I should make this podcast episode an hour long because I literally said that everyone is busy. So in short form, just know that your resting energy expenditure your energy at rest, is what makes up between 60 and 75% of your daily needs. And your energy at rest isn't like laying in bed all day. It's anything. It's blinking. It's twitching. It's moving one finger. And so without doing anything, you already need food. And the other two factors that influence this in a non-confusing, non-let's-get-super-deep-into-it way are your physical activity and your thermic effect of food. Funny enough, thermic effect of food is how much you burn just by eating food. I know, seems very counterintuitive, but it is true. And then it's the physical activity is literally all the things that I said. It's like lifting your finger. It's walking. It's picking up a glass. It's anything. So it's not even saying you need to work out to have this. Just as you are to live, to fuel your brain, your liver, your kidney, your skeletal muscles at rest, your heart, everything, you need this food. And by not having it, the only thing that you're doing is negatively affecting your mental health, your metabolism, your physical health, your emotional health, and everything else. So remember that and try to differentiate the things in the triangle. The triangle, you may ask, it is exercise on one end, food on another end, and body image. And I like to say that when you're struggling with disordered eating or when you have some challenging mindsets around all of those things, It's a very strong triangle, but we want to pull it apart to be three separate dots. So instead of thinking, I need to work out to have X or, oh, I did work out so I can have Y, try and loosen those ties. Try to break apart those patterns, recognize them, and then act in the opposite way than what your disordered brain is telling you to do. That is the best tip that you could possibly have. Survey those thoughts and not, don't follow them. Same thing, again, like another example, bad body image day, don't work out just because you have a bad body image day. Now, number two, focus on how you feel 
and recognize that that is the best way to guide your choices in the season. Now, I know that this can be hard depending on where you're at in your relationship with food, but what this may look like for me is this looks like, you know, in the past, I was so rigid with my rules. And then during the holidays, I felt like I would fluctuate between, depending on the year and where I was at, I would fluctuate between saying no to everything just because of the rules, even though I actually wanted it, or at least it would have been good to try it, even if I didn't want it, just to have the connection, you know, just to to be there and have the experience and connection with people. Or because I had had all these rules and because I was trying to control things or not gain weight or whatever it was, I would go all in and just feel awful because I was eating so much that I was overly full and I wasn't even able to enjoy it because I was like doing it so fast and I was like acting like it was the last time I'd ever eat this because it was how I was setting things up. You know, so trying to focus on how you feel could be that you wake up in the morning and you use some gentle nutrition. You recognize, oh, you know what? This is kind of like a long day and maybe we're having, um, I don't know, we're not eating for until later and I'm pretty hungry. So let me have some eggs and toast with avocado this morning to have all the different elements on a plate that can help me feel satiated. That's an example. And then later on for lunch, you have a Christmas cookie. Like I'm not saying your only lunch is a Christmas Christmas cookie. That wasn't the best example that I just used, but I'm just saying that like you can be flexible and you can choose what you actually want rather than feeling like you have to have every single thing. But you can also recognize that fueling yourself and listening to yourself is also recognizing the areas in which you may not even be as drawn to something, but you do it because of a connection. You know, you may not be dying to have whatever it is that your family member made, but you try it. Even if you're not dying for it, even if you're not super hungry, just to have that connection. So there's a lot that can go into that. Number three, to go along with my past, like my number two, is challenge that mindset that this is the last time that you're ever going to eat these things. Don't wait until Christmas Day or Christmas Eve to have the holiday cookie. Have it whenever you want. Don't try to save up and save up and save up. Say, oh, I can only have these things on this day because that's what's going to lead you not feeling your best. So try to challenge that by allowing yourself to enjoy throughout the season instead of all at once. Now, I'm not saying to make Christmas Day look any different. I'm just saying if we stop putting so much pressure on that one day, then it makes a really, really big impact in the bigger picture. So those are three tips. I would add in as a quick body image tip that's not even a holiday-specific one, not that all of these really are necessarily holiday-specific, but still, is do what you need with body image to help yourself feel comfortable Don't wear the dress or the pants that are way too tight and hard to sit in and make you feel bloated. Don't have the mirror that you always body check in. Throw away that scale that you're always staring at. Don't scroll back to old pictures. Maybe even delete them if you feel like they're not serving you. Do whatever it is to support yourself and your body image during the season and recognize that body dysmorphia is our own worst enemy and it's always going to try to convince us that we actually look a lot different than we may actually look. So 
I really loved this episode. I loved just chatting with you guys about this. I hope that you guys liked it too. I know that these episodes are a little bit less diet culture focused, although, I mean, at the same time, this is so rooted in diet culture. I just mean it's a little bit less of talking about 75 hard and then going through it, which if you haven't listened to that episode, you need to listen to it. It is one of my, one of my faves so far. Um, but I really just want to make sure I'm supporting you guys as best as I can and thinking about your needs. So if this did help you, I would love to know, shoot me a DM. If you want to share this on your story or via text to someone, it would mean the world to me. And especially if you would be able to just shoot the podcast a rating or a review on Spotify or an Apple if you want to share some words. I really value those reviews and it means so much that you would take the time to do it. I forgot to say my rating on holiday weight gain. Holiday weight gain fear mongering is at least an 8 out of 10. I would argue a 10 out of 10. I mean, I don't know. It's just like how is fear-mongering around one of the most joyful times of the year? Not like such a diet culture thing, especially if you take into account seasonality and being in tune with yourself. So you tell me what your rating would be. All right, guys, I will see you guys next week. I hope you have an amazing start to your year and I will see you very soon.